together because we've been in this series of one anothering, and we talked about love one another, we've talked about encouraging one another, being kind and forgiving one another, praying for one another, and we're going to wrap this series up today by talking about serve one another, serving one another. So uh, if you have your Bibles, you can look, turn to Luke chapter 10, that's where we're going to spend a bulk of our time this morning, but I actually want to launch us from a verse called First, uh, a verse, First Peter chapter 4, verse 10, and it says this, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Let me read that again. As each has received a gift, use it, everybody say use it. Use it to serve one another. Underline that, star that, because I don't know about you, but I love the places in Scripture where God, right, calls His church to action. Go and make disciples, right? Come and see. Use the gifts that He's given us. And so He says here, as each, Peter's saying, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. There's two things just launching us into this message this morning that I want to point out. Uh, from this verse in particular. And the first is this. It reminds us that all are gifted. That all of us have a gift, right? Look at your neighbor and say, you've got a gift. You've got a gift, right? Each one of us has a gift to be used by God. We talked about this in base camp on Thursday night. And, and, um, and this word here uh, in 1 Peter chapter 4 for gift is charisma. Charisma. Okay, everybody say charisma. charisma. All right, the first service slept all the way through. You guys are awake and alive. Man, I think it was the cold weather. But anyway, um, the, the word here is charisma. And charis, C-H-A-R-I-S, is the word gift in the Greek. And ma basically is plus, right? And so if you break this word down, it's gift plus. And so Peter's saying each one of you has received a gift plus, a gift from God, right? Have you ever wondered why some some people just have some, some abilities or some gifts that you don't have? I wonder that all the time when I watch Dylan play guitar and sing the way that he does. I wonder that all the time. Anyway, sorry. Um, and, 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 and so God has given us a gift plus. Use it to serve one another. And that's the second point um, that Peter's making here that I want to point out to us this morning is that this verse reminds us that our gifts are not given to us for our own benefit. Our gifts are not given to us for our own benefit. So you looked at one neighbor. I want you to look at another neighbor if you've got him and say, you need to use your gift. That one wasn't as enthusiastic as the first time. <laughs> right? Because, because many of us, many of us are okay and come to, have come to grips with the fact, okay, I've got a gift. Yeah, I'm gifted. My mom's told me that. Anyway, um, <clears throat> I was saying that for you. Anyway, um, but, but many of us come to grips with that. Not m- as many, not as many of us, right, have come to grips with the fact that God gave us that gift to use it. That God gave us that gift to share it with others. And so when we talk about serve one another, that's exactly what we're talking about. You've got a gift, and you've got to share your gift, right? And so, and so here's the, 
the kind of bottom line, the, the, the place that I want us to land in a little bit after we look at some, a couple of texts together from Scripture is, that, is, is this point. You are called by God to passionately serve one another. We are called by God as His church to passionately serve one another. We are called by God as His church to passionately serve one another. And that's what we want to talk about. And there's a story in Luke chapter 10 that I want us to look at together. It's the parable of the Good Samaritan. It starts in verse 25. And what I want to do is read this through and then go back and look at it verse by verse. But it says this, Luke chapter 10 verse 25. And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do? to inherit eternal life. He said to him, what is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. Verse 29, but he, the lawyer, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, well, and who's my neighbor? Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down the road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? Verse 37, he said, The one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said, You go and do likewise. Now, Let's go back to the beginning, right? Because I, I, love, I love the beginning part of this. Behold, a lawyer stood up to him to put, uh, excuse me, stood up to put him to the test, saying, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? What this lawyer was trying to do here, right, was he was trying to back Jesus into a corner. He was trying to trap Jesus in something that he would say, right? He was trying to trip Jesus up. And I want you to notice that, 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 that Jesus most often in Scripture, gave two responses. And the first response is he, he answered a question by a question. Now, I don't know about you, but I love that when I see it in Scripture, because I'm like, yeah, go Jesus, go Jesus. Anyway, um, but when I hear that in real life and someone answers me with a question, it's pretty annoying. Right? Right? It's pretty annoying. And so I imagine, right, that this lawyer, as he's, as he's sitting here, right, he said to him, what is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your heart, uh, excuse me, with, and with all your strength and with all your mind, and your neighbor is yourself. And Jesus responded to him, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But that wasn't enough. The lawyer, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who's my neighbor? And then we get to see the second response of Jesus most often in Scripture. If he didn't answer a question with a question, most often he told a story. And so then he goes on and he tells a story 
A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now, there's two principles when it comes to serving that we're going to talk about from this passage. And the first one is this. The first one is this. We've got to see as Jesus sees. We've got to see as Jesus sees. I want you to see the verse 29 is where this whole passage shifts. Everything changes. Desiring to justify himself, he, to Jesus, he said, Who is my neighbor? And then Jesus replied. And so if, if we're going to serve, if we're going to respond to, to the call of God to the church to serve one another, we've got to see each other as Jesus sees. And Jesus illustrates this in this passage. He says, after the man fell among the robbers and beat him and departed, they stripped him, leaving him half dead. Verse 31, now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Now, I want you to note that we can't, we can't use the excuse, well, he probably just didn't see him. He was probably preoccupied in his own stuff. He probably just didn't notice the man. No, 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 no. Jesus is clear that the priest saw him and passed by on the other side. Saw him and passed by on the other side. As we grow, how many of us know that we see life differently as we grow and mature, Right? Uh, if we follow Jesus, one thing we can be sure of is that he's going to change us, he's going to grow us, he's going to mature us for the rest of our lives. Listen to me, church, if you're not changing, you're not following. If you're not growing, you're not following. We can't follow Jesus and stay the same. And so I want, I want, I want you to notice here, this, this man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. So we've got to do some work here, Okay. All right, we've got to do some work. If you think about this, Jerusalem was called the city of blessing. Okay, the city of blessing. Jericho was called the city of cursing. The difference between these two cities was 17 miles. Okay, 17 miles. So if you got on the, 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 the exit on 95 by Cabela's, right, exit 42, and you went down to Kennebunk, the exit 25, 17 miles. Imagine that distance, okay? 17 miles, 42, 25, I think that's 17. Any math majors in the room? Okay, very good. I think we got there. Okay, 17 miles, but the, but the drop was 3,000 feet. Okay, 3,000 feet, 17 miles, 3,000 feet. And so imagine you've got the city of blessing, okay, the city of blessing, okay, just imagine me to Russ, right? City of blessing and then descending to the city of cursing, Jericho, 3,000 feet, okay, the height difference. Some of you aren't getting that, that's okay, all right? But you can, you can imagine, right, this, the, 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 there's a 3,000 foot drop. So, so this man was literally turning his back on the city of blessing and going down to the city of cursing. Okay, 3,000 foot drop, which I think is interesting that Jesus puts that in there because how many, of we know, how many of us know that when we walk away from Jesus, the city of blessing, we are fresh meat for the enemy? And so then Jesus goes into the three groups of people. The priest was walking by, saw him by chance, and he passed by on the other side. Let's talk about priests of this time. They would have had at least the first five books of the Bible memorized. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. 
right? Memorized mem- from memory. Most of the priests of this time would have had the entire Old Testament memorized. A prayer warrior is what they were considered because they were in constant communion with God. And here this priest was on the same path, right? This priest was on the same path and he saw the opportunity to serve, but he walked away from it. I heard a preacher that was sharing on this passage and he said he probably had a Bible study or a prayer meeting to get to. Okay, so now that we got that out of the way, <laughs> there was a priest, right, that walked by and passed him on the other side, a likely hero to the story, but passed by him. Verse 32, so likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. Same thing. And notice again that Jesus made very clear here that the Levite saw him and passed by on the other side. Let's talk about Levites for a moment. Levites of the time would have been involved in a lot of church activities. Okay? A lot of church activities. They would have been the group of people uh, that would have attended everywhere but belonged to nowhere. They would have attended everywhere but belonged to nowhere. There's this um, thing that happens down in, in the south these days because there's churches literally on every corner. And in case you don't know if you're new or recent with us, I'm from the south. I'm from the land of fried chicken and sweet tea. And, uh, and, and, um, and, and, and one of the things that, 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 that happens down there, and I'm not bragging about this, but you have people that go to Sunday morning service at one place, and they go to Sunday school at another place, and they go to small group at another place. They're involved in a small group at another place. I'm thinking, man, I can't keep one church straight where, I'm, where we're meeting and what we're doing, much less three. But that would have been the Levite. They were involved in so many church activities that they never really fully invested themselves into anything. They never really fully plugged themselves in to anything. They were involved in all the things but never belonged to anything. And I want, you to, I want you to notice that the people who were most qualified to help this man chose to walk by him. And so let's pause for a moment. Let's just say this. If you're a follower of Christ in the room, then we are called, equipped, empowered and expected by God to serve, to get off the bench and into the game. See, we're way too valuable to sit on the sidelines. We're way too valuable to sit on the sidelines. Jesus did not pay the price that he paid so that we could be trophies of grace and sit on a shelf. Jesus didn't pay the price that he paid so that we could be trophies of grace and sit on a shelf. We can serve. We have much more purpose than just coming to the church. But I think there's, two, there's a few traps that we fall into. The first trap is this. Something happens. We see, we see someone in the ditch by the side of the road. Um, this doesn't happen as much as it used to happen. But, but one, of the, one, of the, one of the traps we fall into is I'll just call the church. I'll just call the church. They have, the, they have the professional Christians over there that are working, that, that, that are serving, that they, they get paid to do these types of things. I'll just call the church and, and they'll, they'll take care of it, 
right? And that's where we get the, that's where we get the 10% that do 90% of the work, right? You've heard that statistic. I, I, oh, man, that drives me bonkers uh, when I hear that statistic. 10% that do 90% of the work. Now, listen, listen, let me just pause because I know some of you are getting fidgety. Some of you are really trying to figure out how you can create a coughing fit and leave and, and all of that. Um, listen, we've got, a, we've got a generous church here at Summit. I get that. I mean, we fully funded Maddie Gant last week on a bake sale that brought in $670. A bake sale. Y'all were paying like $20 for a brownie. <laughs> Praise the Lord. And, and, and now Maddie, who's a junior at, at Greater Portland Christian School, is fully funded for her mission trip to Mexico. $670 bucks for a bake sale. That's unbelievable. I was telling some people about that this past week. They're like, can I do a bake sale? <laughs> You're missing the point. But praise God, right? Look, I, I, know, I, know, I know that many of you in this room serve. Okay? And when we get to the application in just a little bit, I believe God's going to challenge every single one of us, no matter what capacity we serve in. Okay, no matter, no matter whether we serve a lot or we're not serving, no matter we're in a, whether we're in a season of, of, of backing off, maybe because we've been hurt by something or, 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 or it's just a season. Listen, 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 I'm not, I'm not trying to get on a soapbox this morning. I just f felt like when we were looking at these one another's, we've got to talk about serving one another because so many of us focus just on the serving part and we forget the one another. Okay. All right, so, so, so let's, bring the, let's bring the level down a couple notches, okay, and let's just let's hear what God's saying through his word, right? I'll just call the church. The second trap that we fall into is our comfort zones. I can't tell you how many times as your pastor I've heard this, God would never ask me to do something that's uncomfortable. God, that gave his one and only son to go to the cross and die a sinner's death so that we could have access with him, wouldn't ask us to do anything uncomfortable. I'll let you decide. He crucified Jesus. A God that crucifies his own son, I believe, would, would be quick to ask us to dive into the uncomfortable. Jesus made the most unlikely person that he wrote the story. Let's talk about why he's the most unlikely person. Look at verse 33. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He had compassion. Now, the reason the, reason the Samaritan is the most unlikely person of the story is because the, the, the person who was beaten and stripped and, 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 and fell among the robbers was a Jew. Okay? And, and Jews and Samaritans in this time hated each other. Okay? Hated each other. All right? We're talking Red Sox, Yankees type stuff. Okay? Hated each other. All right? Jews looked at Samaritans as the scum of the earth. 
But I want you to see something. When the Samaritan saw this man, he was filled with compassion. Why? Because he saw as Jesus saw. He saw as Jesus saw. The Samaritan, the most unlikely person. You know what I love about, about Jesus here? Is that he called the unlikely people. He called the common, ordinary people. He didn't call the scribes or the scholars. He called unschooled, ordinary men. Listen to me, church. If you're ordinary, that means you are completely usable by God. Don't apologize for your ordinary. Don't apologize for your ordinary. That means you're completely usable by God. I've heard people, I've heard people say, oh, my testimony's not that good. I didn't do the drugs. I didn't get into the alcohol. I didn't do this. I didn't do that. Praise God. We need ordinary. You know, like no testimony is ordinary. It's all a transformation story of God that needs to be celebrated. Every one of them. Every one of them. If you're ordinary in this room this morning, that means you're completely, completely usable by God. And if you're extraordinary, if, 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 if your testimony includes all these, those things and God freed you from that stuff, praise God all the same. If he hasn't, praise God either way, right? The point is, God wants to use us. It's when we think we're extraordinary that God can't use us. It's when we're extraordinary that we think God. It's when we. It's when. It's when we think we're extraordinary that God can't use us. So we've got to see as Jesus sees. Secondly, we've got to respond as Jesus leads. There wasn't a book. The Samaritan didn't didn't um, ha, you know have a plan for this or anything like that. He went to him. He bound up his wounds. He saw the need. He saw as Jesus saw, and then he responded as Jesus led him, pouring on oil and wine. He didn't he didn't call a group together and say, "What do you think we should do about this? How do you think this is going to affect other people if we serve this man in this way?" You know, there, there's there's some cultural differences here. I'm not sure we should do that, right? I, I'm, I'm what do you think? And, and he didn't do that. There wasn't a big decision process here. He saw the need. He met the need. Brought him to an end, took care of him. And the next day, he took out two denarii, took out money, and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, take care of him. And whatever you spend more, I will repay when I come back. And Jesus says, kind of an obvious question, right? Which of these three do you think proved to be the neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers. The Samaritan. He responded as Jesus led him. A pastor by the name of Andy Stanley says this, you're never responsible for filling someone else's cup. Praise God. You're never responsible for filling someone else's cup. He goes on to say, you're responsible for emptying yours. Praise God. Respond as Jesus leads. And we see there in verse 37, he said, the, the lawyer responded, the one who showed mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. You go and do likewise. And when I read that a few weeks ago and thought, yeah, serve one another. I got to that point where Jesus said, you go and do likewise. And I asked myself the question, but how? And I don't know if you're anything like me, but I want to answer the How? Because I think there's three characteristics of a servant attitude that we've got to talk about after reading a story like that. And the first one is this. Serving means being available. 
Serving means being available. We've got to see as Jesus sees. We've got to respond as Jesus leads. And to do so, we've got to be available. If you look at Matthew chapter 20, verses 30 through 32, we see there, And behold, there were two blind men sitting by the roadside, and when they heard that Jesus was passing by, they cried out, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. The crowd rebuked them, telling them to be silent, but they cried out all the more, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David, and stopping. Notice that. Jesus called to them and said, what do you want me to do for you? Serving like Jesus means that we make ourselves available for service. It says here that Jesus stopped. Listen to me, church. If we want to be used by God, we've got to be willing to be available. In life, there are many opportunities that will yell at us as we're passing by, and we've got to be willing to be interrupted. We've got to be willing to be interrupted. Most of Jesus' ministry and most of Jesus' miracles were interruptions. All the people he healed, the blind man, the lame man, the paralyzed man, the dead child, all were interruptions. His first miracle, turning water into wine, was an interruption at a wedding when Mary said, hey, they've run out of wine. You need to do something. It says here, Jesus stopped. He allowed himself to be interrupted. He allowed himself to be interrupted. I don't know about you, but that's not my reaction when I'm interrupted. I don't say, oh, praise God, how can I serve you? When my four-year-old interrupts me, I want to dropkick him in the next week. (laughs) Not literally, don't call anybody. (laughs) This is a safe place. We can be vulnerable here. My response isn't always, yes, I'm seeing you as Jesus sees, and I want to respond here as Jesus leads. Ezra, what do you need? Right? Jesus was willing to be interrupted. Jesus was willing to be interrupted. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 27, do not, hold, do not withhold good from those who deserve it when it is in your power to act. Do not say to your neighbor, come back later. I'll give it tomorrow when you now have it with you. The Bible says we're not to wait until tomorrow if we can serve someone now. Servant-hearted people don't procrastinate. Servant-hearted people don't procrastinate. So what keeps us from being available? Many people say that they want to be used by God, but the truth is they're just not available. And what is it that keeps us from being available? The biggest problem is busyness. We're so busy doing other things that we don't have time to serve, right? We're so busy doing other things that we don't have time to serve. And I'm sure if we went around the room, we would all testify to that. We would all say, yeah, you know, I want to serve in the children's ministry, but I want to go on that mission trip, but, and some of those are real things, but the reality is, and the truth is for each and every one of us that would say that, we have the time for things that we're passionate for. We make the time for things that are passionate for. When I, when I was praying and talking with God about this sermon series, I was praying, God, make us passionate for one another. Make us passionate for praying for one another. Make us passionate for encouraging one another. Make us passionate for loving one another and being known as a people that love and care for one another, forgive one another, don't hold grudges and aren't bitter towards one another. Make us passionate to serve one another because I believe that's what our 
culture needs to see from the church is a people passionate about laying down their own preferences and their own needs and their own desires and serving one another for the glory of God and the expanse of his kingdom. I don't know about you, but I'm not seeing that. And it's right here. That God has called us to place ourselves aside. You don't think that Samaritan had a place to be? I don't, I mean, I don't know. Maybe not, but, but I subscribe. And I, I haven't found this in one commentary. Maybe I'll write a commentary one day so that I can say, hey, it's in a commentary. <laughs> but I don't think Jesus clarified that. Because it wasn't about that for the Samaritan. All the Samaritan had was a passion to serve this man that obviously needed to be served. And to do so willingly because he was available. He made himself available. Right? And so one of the biggest problems with the availability is this busyness. But listen to me. We make time for the things that we're passionate about. No, we're going to move on. Okay, the second thing that keeps us from serving here in availability, right, is perfectionism. People don't serve because they're afraid they don't have what it takes. They're afraid to make mistakes. I've told this story often. The first youth event I ever planned was a Friday night coffee house for about 80 teenagers. 80 teenagers come into a church at about 6.30 on a Friday night. Guess what I forgot? Pizza. (laughs) Chips. Soda. Sugar. I was 17 years old and my youth pastor gave me the responsibility of playing in my first youth event. And I forgot food. (laughs) Food showed up at 845 and we tried to cover it up and say, here you go, take it home. Kids were starving. Right? This was before the time where they could text their parents and say, hey, come pick me up. This dum-dum forgot food. <laughs> so we just got to hear them whine all night long during the youth event. We're hungry. We're fasting for the glory of the Lord. <laughs> and I sat in my youth pastor's office that next, next week, and man, I was ashamed. I sat there and I said, Dad, listen, man, I failed. I'm so, I'm so sorry. I failed. That's it, right? I'm done. Ministry's not my thing. And I was, I, he let me go on for a good five, ten minutes. If, at least it felt like that, of just completely ripping myself apart, right? He didn't have to say a word. I was doing it all for him. And he looked back at me, finally, he had had enough. And uh, he said, Travis, did you learn anything? I said, yeah, yeah. I just spent the last five, ten minutes telling you everything I learned. He said, then you didn't mess up. Then you didn't mess up. Right? If we're not making mistakes, we're not trying hard enough. Stop being controlled and driven by the fear 
of messing up. I can't tell you, I mean, we could, we could spend weeks and months, and it would be a lot of fun for you, talking about all the things that I've tried in ministry and have failed. Notice I said it would be fun for you. But that's how I've learned. And you know the fun part for you? Is I've got a lot more mistakes to make before I get to heaven. So buckle your seatbelt. We can't be afraid of mistakes. We can't wait for the conditions to be perfect before we serve. Serving means being available, but serving also means being grateful. Serving also means being grateful. Psalm 100 verse 2 says this, Serve the Lord with what? Gladness. I love that. Serve the Lord with gladness. How many times, and please don't raise your hand because you may feel that way this morning. Have you walked into a church and everybody just looks absolutely miserable that are serving? They're opening the door, right? And this one degree outside, not talking, not, not talking about personal experience at all, right? And they're like, get in, get in, get in, right? It's cold out here, right? Or, and I'm not talking about our greeters. We got some awesome greeters here, right? But how many times have you gone and people are singing, what a good, good father, and they're just like, yep, right? I mean, serve the Lord with gladness, that's not contagious, right? When we go and people look miserable when they're serving, but what is contagious is when, is when you're serving with gladness, right? Colossians 2, uh, excuse me, Colossians uh, 3, 15 through 17, Paul tells the church of Colossae, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another with all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. There was an attitude of gratitude that was evident in the life of Paul. He often wrote in his letters how thankful to God for the fruit of his ministry he was. We are called to serve with gratitude. We're called to serve with gratitude and be thankful for the fact that we get to do this. As Chris and Champa prayed as we were um, singing, uh, uh, ending, this, ending the, 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 the worship songs this morning, one of the things that she prayed was, God, I'm so thankful that I get to do this. I was sitting with our worship team as we do every Sunday in my office before we got going this morning, we, we, we gather and we walk through the service and, and talk about different things and, 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 and then we spend some time praying together and, and, and having this message on my heart this morning, I just paused after we prayed and looked at our worship team because sometimes I feel like we take each other for granted when we serve together often on a week-to-week basis and I just reminded them how thankful I was to get to do this with them. That time of prayer every Sunday morning, it doesn't matter what has led up to that point and what kid refused to get dressed that morning and what kid refused to put a coat on and mittens that morning. Not, again, not speaking from personal experience, just hypothetically, okay? It's like the enemy knows what's going to happen on a Sunday morning because it's the only morning that my kids are absolute, absolutely obstinate. Anyway, um, 
But, but it doesn't matter. When we get to that point where I meet with the worship team, we're praying, it's like everything shifts. And I look so forward to that moment every Sunday morning because it, it, I, I'm blown away and humbled by the fact that I get to do this with some of the greatest people on the planet. I'm grateful. Do I always act grateful? No. There are some mornings that they walk in and they must think that something happened. Right? I don't, I don't always feel grateful. But God calls us to serve Him with gladness. And the last thing I want to talk about is serving Him means, to be, means being faithful. John 17, 4, Jesus' high priestly prayers, He's praying to the Father. He says, I brought glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. I don't know about you, but I want to be able to say that to Father when I walk into heaven. God, I've completed the work that you gave me to do. I was faithful. You know what that means? Very practically, it means we don't quit. It means we don't give up. It means we're persistent. And listen to me, church, if we're going to be like Jesus, it means we're going we're gonna to serve for as long as it takes and do whatever it takes to glorify Him. You may retire from your job someday, but you never retire from serving. You're never too old to serve. There's always a place to serve. You know, that's one of the things that I think I love most about Johnny and Friends. I didn't talk about this in the first service, but I'm going to talk about it here. And I'm not, I'm not promoting family retreat. I, I hope you go and all of that, but, but, but this, is a, this is a real example. And Herb's talked about it even on the Sundays when he just watches my brother come in here during the worship. What happens is the short-term missionaries that go to serve these families get blessed way more than the families get blessed. You know why? Well, I'll tell you one example in particular. Janet's buddy, Marty. She's in the video. She was the one with the sunglasses on that was shooting the basketball. You didn't see it, but I was rebounding for her right there. Marty and I got to know each other two summers ago. She calls me Pastor Basketball. <laughs> I love it. But only Marty can call me that. Don't y'all get any ideas, okay? That's only Marty's. Um, she calls me Pastor Basketball because she would sit there for an hour and just shoot. And just shoot. And the joy that is in her heart when she just gets there to sit there and shoot and shoot and shoot. And poor Janet probably rebounded 10,000 basketballs that, that week. It's a blessing. Because she's getting to do something with people that she doesn't necessarily get to do every day with people. And the appreciation that that gives in the heart. Oh, man. It's unbelievable. The reason that I believe God calls us to serve is He knows how beneficial it is to the heart of the servant. 
when you place yourself aside and your preferences and your desires and your needs and your wants and you go and you serve someone, whether it's in a ditch, in a children's classroom, at a retreat, whatever the case may be, you get the blessing. I want to close with Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. Paul says to the church at Galatia, he says, for you are called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Serve one another. Only do not use your opportunity, your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. My prayer for us this morning, and I've already said it a couple of times, is that God would give us a passion in this. Stir a passion in our hearts to serve one another. And out of the overflow of that, we'd serve our community. The people in our workplace. It means being available, grateful, and faithful. And those are the things I want to pray for you this morning. Would you pray for me, with me? God, I thank you so much that you've called us to this. And God, I thank you for the people that you've stirred in already. God, I thank you for the people that are in the four classrooms over here on this hall that are giving our kids Jesus this morning. I thank you for the people that are taking their place in a welcome center just so that they can make people feel loved if they need to feel loved after the service. I thank you that you have stirred in people to meet this afternoon on a policies and procedures manual because that just doesn't feel exciting. But you've placed people in people a passion to serve your church in that way. I thank you for the places in and around Summit where you have stirred in people a passion to serve. God, this morning I pray for the person that's hurting, that's in a season of not serving. God, I pray that you would heal what's hurt. And God, I pray that you would, in your time, rekindle that fire to serve. God, I pray for those that maybe have never experienced that. God, maybe because of busyness, maybe because of fear of not knowing enough or not being trained enough. God, I pray that you would remind them today that they're yours and that you have equipped them and enabled them to serve and that they that their response this morning is to trust you in that. God, I pray that we would be known in these things by how we want another, by how we love one another, pray for one another, encourage one another, forgive one another, and God, how we serve one another. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.